0: Asking the question, when is a league not a league? Welcome to Hundred of Pot. To episode 393 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by English Dan, hello, Andres, hello guys, and Tony, hello, and uh, we're go- we're here to preview what uh, when we last told when we last recorded we told you it was going to be the new season of the Argentine Primera División, the newly renamed Liga Profesional de Football. Uh, But in their latest attempt to um, protect the image of of this great competition, which the AFA are so very protective of, uh, they announced shortly after we last recorded, and in fact shortly after the podcast went online, uh, that it wasn't going to be a league championship after all. It's another cup. Um, As a lover of trivia, this has uh, led me to quite some confusion. Because the Argentine League system, as some of you will be aware, is the oldest continuously running one in the world. The, the only ones that are older are the English and the Dutch ones. And obviously both of those have to take breaks during the two world wars, which the Argentine one didn't. Um, now, the League system is still going to be running because the lower divisions have still kept going, you know, apart from the, the six month or so hiatus for the pandemic. But the first division... Uh, won't have been played at all between February last year and, presumably, when it finally eventually starts, the championship that's scheduled for the second half of this year, which at the moment we have to assume is going to be a league championship. Um, So if if it takes 18 months off, and only six months of that is due to the whole country being in lockdown, can we really say it's continuously running still? It, It could be interesting. The league has still been running, but the top flight hasn't. Just a question to ponder. Uh, for those of you who like football trivia maybe. Unfortunately the We see you s-
1: staying up for hours every night, Sam, mulling this over in your brain, working out all of the different ramifications.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm I'm interested. It's um,
1: I know you are.
0: <laughs> I, I might try and put it to, to my football trivia group on, on, on WhatsApp in a little bit. The yeah, an account, answer. Obviously. answer. Anyway, unfortunately we have to begin this week um, on a very sad note because on was it Saturday? Um, there were news reports starting to come out of Mendoza, which was sadly very quickly confirmed uh, that Godoy Cruz striker Santiago Garcia, who we've spoken about many times um, on this podcast, he's, he's been present in the Argentine league for a very large portion um, of Hand of Pod's history, um, died by suicide. Uh, we, we'd we spoken in passing about some of his off pitch issues and problems. We didn't realise quite how serious those were. Um, the lockdown, obviously, long-term listeners will, will be aware he, he was Uruguayan and, and the lockdown meant that he wasn't able to travel back to Uruguay to see his daughter for a very long period of time, which apparently affected him severely. I um, Cruz have come under quite some criticism um, for their reaction to it and, and for some of their actions that led up to it more the directorship than the team itself, uh, I believe. Does somebody want to fill us in on on a few more of the details?
1: Uh, yeah, I love a uh, popular obviously, horrible news. Um, it came out, I think, Sat Saturday midday, and it was just one of those one of those kind of stories that hits you almost almost like Maradona, because you know, obviously, Garcia didn't have the worldwide well, name, but he was a very much admired figure in Argentine football, one of, um, I think, one of the the primeras, uh, most lovable characters, always gave his best and a very, very good uh, footballer on his day, uh, you know, he's a guy I'd, I'd always have liked, I'd always have liked to see line up for Racing one day. Um, and yeah, but it was, you know, discussed. Uh, Very often, about his kind of his emotional troubles, and and it came out that he'd been in um, he'd been in psychiatric therapy since November, I think, because of as Sam said, his difficulties in dealing with the the pandemic and and lockdown, not being able to to go back to Uruguay, Um, and it definitely affected his performance on the pitch. Um, He played very little. Of the Copa Maradona, I think he only played five or six games. Didn't manage to score, and you know, looked out of, overweight, out of touch. And uh, but his mother, you know, did an interview after after the event and was saying, you know, he was he was looking up. He was he was looking forward to to going back to Uruguay because uh, moved back to to Nacional, his first club where he really burst onto the scene around 2010 and 2011. Uh, that was in the offing. Um on the other hand, he had uh statements from, from the Godoy Cruz president, uh José Mansur, who, who was kind of saying that I don't need um this kind of leader in my dressing room, guys who you know don't go to the gym, don't meet their weight goals and and all this. Um basically, you know, closing the door to him coming back to to cruz. He was training alone, I believe, um, while well, the transfer with Nacional rumbled on in the background and, and his mother also claimed, um, you know, post-mortem that, uh, that Mansour had intervened in, in the transfer to, uh, to slow everything down, to make things more complicated and that, and that had also, um, you know, affected his state of mind. But, but as always, you know, when, when we're talking about suicides, um, you have to be very careful you know, not to, not to just put it down to to one particular motive. Something which I don't think all of uh, the Argentine press has, has really successfully done, because I've seen a lot of you know sensationalist reporting and kind of who's to blame, he said, she said around this, which which is really the way to to handle this kind of news. You know, the the point is, he was um, he was a guy who had a, a lot of troubles. Clearly, um, he was trying to get help. Um, you know, he'd gone on, on record saying he suffered from depression. He'd come close to quitting football in the past. Um, you know, he felt like people just expected him to perform no matter what was going on in his head. And that was a real burden for him, you know, at his lowest moments. Um, and I think overall we can say it just, you know, absolutely redoubles the need for all clubs in, in Argentina and indeed the entire world to just take seriously this Exact aspect of the game, the psychological side, because you know, thankfully, extreme cases like this suicides are, are rare in football. But, um, I was looking into this this week, um, you know, the numbers of, of players who can, who, when asked, will admit to problems with anxiety, problems with depression, either past or present, um, or kind of other um psychological issues is huge. It's something. Around twenty to thirty percent of of all footballers or or elite sportsmen, which is very much higher than than what you get in in the general public. Uh, I think that's because of the nature of their of their job, you know, always being in the spotlight, being open to so much criticism, so much pressure. Uh so I can totally believe that. And then on the other side, um a sports psychologists I read this week saying only six. Argentine clubs have a full-time psychology department, you know, who talk regularly to players. um, And I think we can probably all imagine which clubs these are, the guys, you know, who with most money. And obviously it's a very difficult situation as well with, uh, with such financial issues in, in Argentine football, you might think, ah, well, we've got to cut somewhere. Why not? Why not this place? And that's, that would be absolutely the wrong way to go because you really do have to take care of these guys. I mean, they might be footballers, they might be millionaires, they might be adored by the public, but they're human beings and, you know, you care for their bodies, you care for their knees, their, their hamstrings, but you've got to care for, them, for their minds as well. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I think that's a, a good summation and
0: thanks for the detail. Um, Tony, Andres, do you have anything to add? If not, then that's fine. Andres?
2: Yes, um, apart from, from what Dan has just said, uh, I think there was a, a, a something uh, particularly hard for for Moro Garcia, which was uh, that uh, due to the pandemic, he wasn't able to see his daughter, uh, he, who was in Uruguay, and almost for a year, I think, and that is something that you don't know how could affect you, and uh, and it looks like it was quite hard for him, apart from the from the football aspect, which is also hard. It is. Like combining uh, both uh, situations uh, is something that well, of course, you don't know how how that can be for 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 every person and and uh, apparently well, uh, it was really really difficult for him uh, and and this is ha- something that happens with a lot of players or at least uh, we heard about uh, players that are left aside when they don't sign their contracts or or, or that their contracts are about to expire and. And, and they don't uh, renew it. Uh, we we see we saw it uh, with, for example, um, uh, Paul Fernandez at Boca, uh, who was uh, I think two two months away for for their contract ending, uh, saying that he wasn't able to play anymore. Uh, and well, uh, uh, it's something that it's happening really often. Uh, but for Garcia, I think that I, I agree with. With what you said at the very beginning uh, that um, we didn't know how how deep it was his depression uh, and unfortunately uh, we don't see it until these this, these things happen and it's really sad uh, apart from that yeah thanks
0: andres um it, it's it's a cliche i think to say it but it, it does They're stating that if you're listening to this and you um, have problems of this sort yourself, do please seek help. Uh, We do care about our listeners, not perhaps on an individual level, but collectively. Um, And yeah, if if you've been affected by the issues that we've mentioned, as the British um, phraseology tends to go when discussing these things, um, there are places that you can that you can go to. So please do, don't, don't, don't suffer in silence. Um, we will now, uh, Tony, go on.
3: Yeah. Um, just adding or uh, uh, taking a little bit of what Dan was saying about the, the clubs having a sports uh, psychologist or a department of sports psychologists. Um, it, it's really important also that to mention that sometimes sports psychologists are only that they prep the, the athletes to be mentally ready uh, to compete. And that's also, in a way, not not solving the problem. I mean, it, it, it's good that the teams in Argentina, teams in South America that doesn't have the resources, as many other teams um, in the rest of the world, do care about mental health of the players because... Uh, and, and this is something that the either Sama or Duncan can tell, uh, if I'm if I'm wrong. But it's kind of a, a bit of a prejudice that if you are a man, you shouldn't uh, seek help or or care about your emotions, and that's still very strong here in Argentina in 2021. Um, but I think it's important that if you have a team in in, in in some way, if you're a sports psychologist, you, should, you don't only have to care about the sport part. You have to care about the the um, the human side and not thinking that because you have sports psychologists, your job is done and you as a club, as a, as a president, it, it, it ends in, in there. You need actual uh, psychologists that help and people that support in all the levels of, of the game because uh, I read a lot about uh, symptoms of depression on, on, on kids and uh, on youngsters and maybe fewer that may not get to to get a contract or make their debut in the Primera División because, and, and this is a fact, I think it's 1.3 of each um, player from each division get to the Primera División and all the rest eventually drop out for different reasons. And that's something really hard to take sometimes. And I think that's, that's really important that in any level, in, in any uh, situation, there is enough support from the government, if necessary, um, free healthcare in, in that regard, or even the clubs, if, if possible, to help the players and the, and, and, the, and the person that's the player to don't fall into depression and, and seek and have all the tools to, to overcome it.
0: Thanks, Tony. Um, we will move on to hopefully happier, well, no, definitely happier um, things. The Copa de La Liga Profesional is about to start up again. It is. We mentioned, I think, last time we recorded that it was going to be called the Copa Diego Armando Maradona again, um, and at the time we mentioned that this was rather silly because it wasn't a cup; it was a league, and obviously, as I said at the top of the show, now it turns out that it is going to be a cup again. Um, The groups have been drawn, so I'll start off by going through those, because if I remember rightly, they hadn't been drawn when we last recorded.
1: Sorry, Sam. Uh, But it's not going to be called Copa Maradona. Is it not? Bloody hell. No. No, They they decided it was
0: going to be a cup, but then decided it wasn't going to be called
1: the thing. Oh, because there's been some legal dispute, hasn't there? Sorry, go on. Yeah, basically, I don't think... It's an explicit legal dispute, but the AFA was concerned that uh, Matias Morla, who was Maradona's lawyer, who now owns the worldwide rights for Maradona's name, um, I think he got that within about six hours of him passing, something like that. Um, they're afraid he might decide to, to take action, so they played safe and decided to call it the Copa de la Liga Profesional, which was the last one's name, before it changed
0: uh, very well. OK, in that case, Mr. Morla, if you're listening, please ignore what I said a second ago. It's not called that. Please don't sue us. Um, the groups, anyway, are uh, Group A is Lanús, Atlético Tucubán, Boca, Huracán, Independiente, Patronato, Sarmiento, Tacheres, Defensa y Justicia, Gymnasia, New Men's Old Boys, Union, and Belles Sarsfield, the promoted side there, of course, are uh, Sarmiento. And in Group B, Argentinos Juniors, Arsenal, Aldo Sibi, Banfield, Central Cordoba, the other promoted side, Platense, who we'll be talking about. Uh, well, we'll be talking about their promotion in, in a few minutes. River, San Lorenzo, Godoy Cruz, Rosario Central, Colón, Estudiantes, and Racing. You will have noticed that that's 13 teams in each group. That is, of course, because even though this isn't a league competition, it is a competition that is played by top division teams and Platense and San Rianto are now top division teams, having got promoted uh, about a week and a half ago, I think, as we record. Um, so they have been... You'll also have noticed, sorry, uh, if you were listening carefully, that teams who have Classicos with one notable exception, are not in the same group as each other. Um, So the system is going to be almost the same as the Copa Diego Maradona of a few months ago, except that there will also be, each weekend, to take into account the fact that there are 13 teams in each group, so one team would have um, a game left over the week off otherwise, Um, there will also be one inter-group match, and those matches will be the Clásicos, The exception to that is the two promoted teams who have been drawn as each other's, in inverted commas, clássico. This upset a few people when it was first announced because um, Platense's historic clássico is with Argentinos Juniors. Um, But it actually makes some sense because obviously those teams got promoted well after the rest of the teams broke up for the summer and started to go on holiday they wouldn't have as much preparation time if they were going to play this weekend. So the AFA took a very early decision that those two are going to be the Clásico. Platense will be put into the same group as Argentinos, so they still get to play their Clásico. And then later on in the season, that that will be treated as a... uh, The the Platense versus Sarriento match will be treated as first-round Clásico that's been postponed from the first round, so those two teams can have some proper preparation time. That's all a bit messy, isn't it? Andres, I can see your hand up on Zoom. What do you want to say?
2: Yes, I, I don't know if it means anything, but I think the, the groups are the, the other way around than you said it. It's Someone uh, I mean, is the the uh, one that you said, somebody, and uh, vice versa. But uh, it's on one and two, and it's the other way around, but I don't know if uh, it means Actually,
0: it. I, I think you're right, yeah, because uh, I was just reading it off my... um my live score app on my phone which has not that way around but when they were first announced I do remember thinking that all of the teams who began with A were in Group A um i Dinos Alan Aldo so yeah I think you're right there so thank you for the correction um the first weekend matches and the ones that actually are going to be played um we will preview them properly there will be Mystic exam at the end of the the um the episode but I'm just looking down there aren't any particularly juicy ones I don't think uh, sure, I haven't realized
1: Racing were playing tomorrow. Christ,
0: oh, yeah, Racing kick things off tomorrow evening away to Banfield. Do you have any thoughts That's on that? It's a nice segue uh, into uh inviting other people to speak who aren't
1: me. I've realized the fixture existed for all of 15 seconds. Um, but it could be interesting, you know. PC's first game in charge, um, Racing have signed a, a couple of players Ezequiel Skeloto. Another of these guys who's been in Europe for about the last five years without um, playing a single game, so kind of a low, a low rent version of um, of Marcus Rojo, if you like. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to to see to see how they fare. I, I mean, at five o'clock, I have to go see my mate's baby for the first time. But since he's a Racing fan, and indeed called the baby Lisandro about. Uh, four days before Lissandra left, uh, I shall—I'm sure he'll understand if I have to take off. Indeed, yeah, yeah, not done a very good job of organising
0: that.
1: Have you? Mm, eh, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll stay there. I don't—I don't know if he has to the pack full. But, to be honest, it's something to find out tomorrow. One, one not, of the okay. Got no, Sorry. No, fuck it. If I don't watch it, I don't watch it. <laughs> that copper. It's a lot more games.
0: One of the big updates that we do need to make, apart from the fact that this is now a cup, not a league, from the last episode, is that after we dedicated so much of the last episode to him and to his big triumph and to the fact that he could take his pick of jobs in Argentina, potentially in the future, um, Hernán Crespo looks like he's taking a pick of jobs, well, of one job in particular, outside Argentina, uh, because I don't think it's yet been confirmed, but it's looking pretty probable uh, that he is going to become the new manager at Atlético Mineiro. Um, so maybe our predictions that he will be the person to succeed Marcelo Gacharano at River in a year's time will have to be... Uh, oh, it, it now looks as if he's joining Sao, Sao Paulo, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. It was Atlético Mineiro. I saw him linked with a day or two ago, but I've just scrolled down the homepage of the Lanás and sports section, it now says Sao Paulo. Um, but anyway, he's going to Brazil either way
1: he was also in the running for the chile job alongside Matias almeida but they went another way with that too
0: indeed yeah although
1: uh, he didn't want it
0: was it andres who pointed out on our whatsapp group that chile have appointed an argentine anyway i can't remember what the name was but uh it's now 16 years since they
2: last had a chilean manager
1: are there any chilean coaches Uh, i was thinking about this last night when andres said it and it's like i can't think of any
2: well, mm. oh, I think it was Martín Lasarte, the one who Chile appointed us. Uruguayan, yeah. Yes. That sounds right, yeah. But, but They're but is anyway.
1: Yeah. But then we should point out that uh, Claudio Porchi, I believe he does have Chilean citizenship. So that sort of counts. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Because he played yes. there for, for a long time as well. And his wife, his kids are all Chilean. So but, um, I'll, I'll take that. I think it counts.
0: Yeah. But I, I mean,. Lasarte must sort of be their first. Ago, must be their first non-Argentine manager in quite some time because it's not just that they've been going for foreigners, but they've very specifically been going for people from this side of the Andes. Well, no,
1: the last guy was Rira, the last guy was Ecuadorian or Colombia. Oh, of Columbia. course he was. Yeah, yeah. Shows you how much attention I've been playing. Um, it's very hard to keep up with Chile's coaches. Like they do, they change a fair bit. Uh, I will tell you now who the last. Uh, Chilean Chile coach was. Oh yeah, go on. I'm, I meant to
0: look this up before we started recording, but I had a very busy day and didn't manage to.
1: That uh, was... So I've had a couple of naturalised Chileans. Uh, Nelson Acosta, the Uruguayan, also holds Chilean citizenship. He was there before, Bielsa. But the last Chilean Chilean was Juvenal Olmos. There you go. Never heard He was very briefly at New Old Boys, apparently, in 2005. Good grief. I like his name. It's a very good name, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Kind of Roman natural uh, vibes, I think. Something like that.
0: Moving on, what can we say um, about how various teams have have coped with the summer break? Um, Has anybody been keeping more up to date with this than I have? I really hope you have. I mean, Dan, it's your job, so you should have been. (laughs) (laughs)
1: sort of yeah I mean it's very hard always to keep track of because there's so many moves being made Um, if I take one example um, which is River um, probably the lack of news the lack of movement is is the best news they could have hoped for Uh, because they've by and large managed to keep the team together despite uh, you know much talk Following the Libertadores exit and whatnot, that some of their best players were were Europe bound. Obviously, in Europe, everyone's skint too, which um, which probably helps matters. Uh, they held on to to Mondial, which was mass, you know, massive for River. They, I think, so far they've held on to Nacho Fernandez. They've held on to Borre. Um, so, yeah, some, some very big names who have decided or didn't have the choice but to stay. Um, and I think they've got this guy, they've brought this guy, Agostin Palavicino, never, ever seen him play, uh, but he might be good. Héctor uh, David Martinez has returned from Defensive Justicia. And I think Jonathan Maidan has come back as well, which is an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's signed yet, but he's expected to any yeah. minutes now. He might well have done by the time this goes online.
1: I don't, I'm not sure about the uh, the benefits of that, considering Benilo already covers the ancient centre-back uh, spot, but who knows? Surprise me.
0: Yeah, the other name I've, I've seen is, is Sebastián Friussi, who they're hoping to get on loan from Zenit. I don't know whether he's not yes. playing much or whether that's just a complete pipe dream and isn't going to happen, but...
1: It was apparently looking uh, positive and then now it's not so, in the space uh-huh. of 24 hours. That's
0: how these things work, isn't it? Andres? Pretty much.
2: Yes. No, finally, I think Ducey uh, won't be able to come, or at least it will be quite difficult because uh, uh, Marlon, the f- former Barcelona striker, now at Zenit, is injured, and which means that they won't release Ducey. Uh, so I think it's ninety percent uh, uh, discarded. Uh, then the, the other players: uh, Martinez, Maidana, Palavecino, and, and there is also Vigo, Alex Vigo, the Colón right back. But uh, uh, the only one, one hundred percent confirmed is Palavecino. I think he he, he was uh, in fact today he was going to to undergo the the, the medical. Uh, uh, Studies or well, the 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 um, uh, yeah, the, the medical preparation for for in order to 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 um, sign the contract. But uh, the other ones it's still not. Uh, I think Maidana because it was for free uh, as a free agent. But then the other guys is still not confirmed.
1: Oh, I've got an interesting one for you, Sam. Sure. If I don't know how good your memory is, but you might recall that around 2010, 2011, 2012, we were all talking about the young Vélez lad, Héctor Canteros, who I think yes. played a couple of times for the local Argentina team against Brazil, looked very good, went off to Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know where he's going to be lining up this year?
3: I know. Is it is it somewhere
1: in Argentina or
0: is it somewhere not yes. in Argentina? Yes, I wouldn't
1: have mentioning it if it wasn't in Argentina. No,
0: indeed. Um, I will guess, it's a complete guess, um, Arsenal.
1: No, patronato. Oh, okay. They've... Size-wise, I wasn't a million miles away then. No, they should picked up from... on a free from Ankara Gusu, or however you pronounce that, of Turkey. And I still. 30, 30, so I'm um, Tony's interjection like that. that it would be somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was, you know, that was quite an eye-catching one for me since we thought, you know, this kid looked very good, but it didn't quite work out for him. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if he's had bad luck with injuries or, or he just wasn't that good to start with. Who knows?
0: It, it's always, I mean, I remember around that time we discussed a few times how Veles in particular seemed to have a habit of producing young kids who looked really good and were really good at Venice and then left Venice and just didn't look like they'd seen a football before. Um, yeah. So maybe it was another case of that. But awesome. uh, also, before we move on entirely from River, we, we should just mention that they did—they have had a win today. They've actually played a competitive match already. Um, I thought it was going to be later tonight, and I've just clicked on the news and found that um, I've missed it. They beat... It was it so. Was it yesterday? Oh, there we go. Then. Yeah. <laughs> it's yesterday, they, about nine o'clock. They be defensores de pronunciamiento 4 0 in the Copa Argentina. Uh, Another entre a Rios thing, so we're sort of on topic still. So. Yes, indeed, yeah. Uh, friend of the podcast and published author Daniel Tullard lives in Concepcion del Uruguay, which is quite close, I believe, to pronunciamiento. Um, so there you go, that's some completely the useless Rios. information that will the, the f- oh, yeah.
1: focus of this podcast.
0: Indeed, indeed they are. Um, what about Vokka that's the other team that a lot of our listeners will want
3: to hear about what have they been doing all. Um, Sorry. I had something that to, I don't want to say correct Andres but add to what Andres said uh, about the situation and the injury of the Senate player um, the Russian transfer window ends on 25 of this month so I, sh- I don't think it shouldn't be rolled out uh, that much Senate has enough money to buy players <laughs>
2: Yes, that's the problem, I think, is that uh, uh, they need uh, another striker in order to replace right, yeah. one injured. Yeah, and...
3: But they do have the possibility because the transfer window is not closed like the rest of Europe.
1: Yes, OK. Uh, you also about Boca, Sam. I did, yeah.
0: I mean, Christian Pavon's going back to MLS God. and Boca getting a bit of a windfall due to that, right? That's about all I've heard.
1: No, it wasn't sure because he was supposed to go under the knife. Um and I'm not sure if that's uh, that's happening. Oh, the latest news, yeah, you're right, that's gone um, come around uh, 360 degrees, basically, mm. so that's interesting. Um, yeah, their only confirmed transfer to date is uh, Rojo, as I mentioned earlier, um, and there's been talk they could get uh, another Roman, Andres Roman, uh, the Colombian. Um, yeah, aside, you know, there's always talk from Boca that they're going to sign everyone on the planet and it hasn't really worked out. But, you know, they're strong enough anyway, I think. I, don't, I think they really needed huge investment in that squad. Probably no, indeed. Could do with getting rid of a couple of players, yeah. if anything. And in the rest of the big five, San Lorenzo, Racing, Independiente. Independiente are doing the, the usual thing of trying to stop all their players uh Leaving because they haven't been paid their wages. Um, they've also named... I can't have... remember whether it was before or after we recorded,
0: but they've named Julio Cezanne the their new manager, haven't
1: they? Yes, they have. Uh, I think we did mention that with Santi once. Yes. But... Yeah, it rings a bell,
0: actually, now that I've said it out loud. I think, yeah, we've said this before.
1: Yeah. No, not much happening with Independiente, apart from a few new FIFA punishments uh, for not paying transfer fees and wages. Um... Yeah, not much movement at, at all, really. Uh, San Lorenzo. Uh, everyone's looking at the Romero twins because apparently um, Diego Bove, their new coach, didn't line them up in his training first team today, and they had a lot of um, a lot of friction with with his uh, with his predecessor Sosa. Um, but I don't think I think he will use them because they're very good, so they're very expensive, and and he'd be kind of stupid not to. Um, as I mentioned, in Racing, a couple of new players. Um, Skeloto from from Brighton, Maxi Lovera from Olympiacos, Tomás Chancalay is coming from Colón. Um, and there's talk that they could land Aníbal Moreno. News is very talented, Argentina, under 20, international, or ex-under 20, I don't know how old he is now. And they've, of course, lost... Lisandro Lopez, which hit us all very hard. He went to Atlanta United. If you haven't heard,
0: indeed, did uh, Andres?
2: Yes, about Independiente, I think they they only uh, signed in Insaurralde, the former Boca and Nules defender. Uh, and, and I heard something which is really really hilar- hilarious uh, that uh, um, one of the of the, of the directors, uh, Mald- Hector Maldonado, I think he is. Uh, didn't give uh, Sosa, the, the goalkeeper, a copy of the contract so that, that he couldn't ask for a, an improvement in, in, in his contract because uh, uh, they have like a, 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 a figure in which they, they, they fix the, the contract in terms of the dollar. And uh, um, uh, Of course, if, if uh, Sosa wanted an improvement of the contract because of the dollar that uh, is, uh, uh, of course, is more expensive right now, he he could uh, ask for that for him, did that improvement but if he doesn't have the contract he can't do it and uh, uh, that's why maldonado didn't give him the, the copy of the contract and so that he couldn't uh, claim for that uh, which is i think really really hilarious i, I didn't uh, listen of something like that uh, uh, of, of a club who didn't give the, the player the contract so that he could handle it
0: Yeah, thanks, Andres. Um, That might have confused a few new listeners or just listeners who basically, whose interactions with Argentina and Argentina's uh, culture and everything uh, are purely done through hand of pod and nothing else. So if you don't really know why Andres is talking about contracts in terms of dollars, um, the law here says that uh, players have to be paid in pesos. But the reality is that if you're signing a one or two-year contract... Uh, in the local currency, which devalues at a rate of about 70% a year, and in a country where inflation can be anywhere from 30 to 50% a year, uh, it obviously makes a bit more sense if you say, we will pay you the local equivalent of X number of dollars. And in order to protect themselves, the clubs tend to put a bit of a ceiling on how high the exchange rate can get in that time, because as Andres says, the dollar is more expensive now than it was. But I mean, that's been the case. You could have said that pretty much every single week that Dan and I have lived in Argentina, that the dollar is more expensive today than it was this time last week or last month. Um, it's, the peso is constantly losing value, hence the need for um, those quite at Times contract um, negotiations and, and restrictions and, and what have you. By the way, Dan, Anibal Moreno is 21 years old. He'll turn 22 in uh, three months' time, 13th of May. There you go. So you've got somebody with a future ahead of him still. Indeed. Um, anything to add, Jen? Do we know anything about how uh, Sarmiento and Platense have have you know spent the time since they've won promotion? I, I said we were going to talk about Platense coming up because it's their first time back in the Primera in about 27 years or something, isn't it? 1993, something like that. Um, I think that I read somewhere that they are... In the all-time Primera standings, uh, they're actually like the 15th place club or something in terms of points one. So historically, they are very much a team who belong at this level. But it feels like, and indeed it has been a very long time since they were last here, which is why it's been so widely talked about.
1: 1999, so 22 years ago. Oh, OK, not quite
0: as long ago as I remembered.
1: Sarmiento, um, of course, very much more recently. Uh, I think it was 2017, 2018.
3: Yeah, well, well inside the hand of pot era. Indeed. I wanted to say that Plutense didn't, don't have yet uh, a new signing. They did renew a couple of key players, um, I guess. Uh, Sarmiento, on the hand, is a little bit more active. They have some like interesting name because they all feel meme level like Fausto Montero or Federico Bravo but they got
1: Sebastián Rincón apparently uh, Freddy's son who is <laughs> yep. at
3: yep Sebastián Rincón too
2: <clears throat> interesting and Platonce uh, has some some former Primera or First Division players like uh, well I think Uruchetti is there since a couple of years or or, or uh, several years uh, the former Colón striker also Ryan Liu who started at Racing Uh, the Oliveira, the goalkeeper, so they have experienced
0: players. Well, there is quite a, speaking of the newly promoted sides, it'll it'll become apparent why this came to my head in a second, Um, there's quite a complicated situation going on with relegation this year, because, just in case I hadn't already mentioned this, this competition that's about to start is not a league, it's a cup, and so relegation isn't going to be used for it. Um, but this means that when the league does get underway again which, as I said, we're assuming is going to happen in August um, but, you know, don't hold your breath because maybe they'll decide in late July that it's, that's going to be a cup as well um, but that means that when the league does get underway again, we're going to have only one campaign which will be the 2019-20 season, i.e. the league title that Boca won about a year ago in fact I think almost exactly a year ago um we'll be counting towards the the relegation table and during the first league campaign again assuming that it's the August to December one there's not going to be any relegation at the end of it there there won't be any teams relegated at the end of this year I think that they have kept that um as the case anyway again probably subject to change because this is the alpha we're talking about um but at the moment it means that the promedios the point average average point system which uh, most listeners will be familiar with us having talked about are remaining in the top flight even though in case you've forgotten they have been scrapped in all of the lower divisions uh, about a year and a half ago um but there won't be anything actually counting towards them by the time they come back in so or there will be but it'll only be two seasons because there will only have been two seasons out of the last three years. This copper count.
1: does count towards it, I believe. You're, what? You're kidding? Yeah. Really? So it'll be two and a half seasons yeah, rather than two. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You, can, you can't have a cup competition you said. counting towards the league. That's God. why not?
0: Why the hell not? Let's just do it. No, that's that's completely <laughs> <sighs> I'm angry. I'm angry now. Um it, it does explain why this table I'm looking at has got a column for 2021 already. But uh, anyway, we're going to have uh, at least this this cup and then a, probably a subsequent league season in which there will not be any relegation, but it might
1: count towards it, um, if Dan is right about that. So, no, I think for the next one, it'll be year-long and, and there will be relegations, it'll be 2022. Oh yeah, the
0: 2022 one there will be, but there won't be any relegation at the end of this year. So if, the, if August to December is indeed a league campaign, they still won't be relegating anybody at the end of it. But I think they're going to be promoting two more teams, right? So in 2022, we're going to have a 28-team top flight again, because they can't play the they can't play the lower divisions and not have some reward for the teams who finish top of the Premier Nacional. I think, but again, watch this space. They'll, they'll probably change all the rules in the next few months so there's not much point in going against them in too much detail um anyway i'm going to call a very short break now we're going to refit our glasses and when we come back we will talk uh, a bit more when we'll, we'll deal with some listeners questions basically and then we'll have mystic Sam and find out what matches apart from banfield versus rassing are going to be taking place this weekend so don't go away Before we get on to listeners' questions, um, Tony has offered, and I was going to ask him anyway, to fill us in on what's going on with the women's um, competitions. I think we mentioned last time, or last time at one, that the season, the domestic season, was likely to be getting underway in mid-March, roughly the same time as the Copa Libertadores Femenina is scheduled for. Um, But Tony, there's been some other news
3: involving the national team, I think, since we last recorded. That's right. It's been a while since we recorded. So I forgot about that. Sam, um, you are absolutely right. The competition, it's not clear uh, locally. It's not clear when it's going to start. Uh, we do know there's going to be a Federal Cup or a Argentina. I don't know how it's going to be called. Um, and the Copa Libertadores, like you said, is going to be on mid-March. Uh, the last team participating was confirmed yesterday. Uh, was from Bolivia. So we have all the teams confirmed now. Uh, And then the news is saying it's uh, Argentina playing in the Chivilips Cup for those that are not um, really knowledgeable about the women's game. It's a cup organized by the United States every year in this uh, FIFA window uh, starting this next week. Uh, Usually with the three best teams at the moment. So usually the the NBTs are Germany, England, Spain, Japan, you know, usually just suspects, uh, maybe Canada. And this time it was Canada, Brazil, and Japan, but Japan dropped out because the, the, the competition will be held in Orlando, which is probably the international um, capital of covid so they said, no, we're not going to go. And Argentina said, yeah, we're going to take your place. And when it was announced, it was a mix of excitement because it's been a year since, more than a year, since the, the, the top team or the other or uh, not on the 20s, not on the 18 team played. Um, but also we fear for our lives because it's United States, it's Brazil and it's Canada. Um, There's a a list already uh, confirmed of a preliminary squad, including Florencia Bonsegundo, which, uh, for those that remember, was one of the players alongside Stefania Vanini, alongside um, Bravo and and Potassa that weren't called up anymore because they asked for better conditions uh, after the World Cup. Uh, So the coach, national coach, Carlos Borrello, decided to not call, call them out anymore, but somehow uh, I have suspicions is because she wants to get some points for the visa if she has a contract for the United Kingdom with that new system uh, in place to get a contract, a footballing contract in, in, in the United Kingdom, in England, sorry, not the United Kingdom, doing some Brexit from there. Um, you can correct me if I'm not right. Um, I mean that's the suspicion about Florence. So there was also some people saying that she was called up, so she was forced to say no and keep on, you know, putting it in a bad place. So there's a little bit of drama on that squad. The squad is good, mostly Boca players, some of the uh players playing in Spain, uh the new recruit from the WSL, uh, La Roquette, the Polito from Juventus. I think it's a good squad, uh, but it's a question of how good they're gonna be against teams like Brazil or even the United States. Um in the competition. But I think it's good that we're going to have some some games for the for the national team to see where we are in, in that regard. Thanks, Tony. I think United Kingdom, logically, ought to be okay because it's
0: the UK government who set the visa requirements for the whole of the UK, so I wouldn't have thought that the Scottish clubs will have different uh, right. requirements. I might be wrong about that, but... Um, I've just very quickly googled it and I can't see anything that's obviously
3: Yeah, but even so for example, in somehow in Sweden if you want to play, if you're, if you're a woman and want to play in Sweden, usually they don't give you a permission to sign an international player if it's not a, a starter for the national team so in the long view it should work, maybe but we don't know the exact situation of, of that call-up was the player asking for, for a comeback Was that drama thing uh, actually real? We really don't know. Okay, it's the job of the Scottish
0: FA's registration department to ensure, according to the Scottish Herald. So the Scottish FA, I guess, has some rights to make their own decisions if they want. But yeah, basically, when you said United Kingdom, it's probably all right. You can get away with that, I think. Um, Thank you very much for the informative information. Um, and it, it's a relief to know that, you know, at least they're treating the women the same as the men and that they don't really know what the competition is going to be when it starts or when it's going to start. Um, you know, we've, we've achieved some equality here in Argentina. It's something to be proud of, perhaps. Um, moving on to listeners' questions. Guy Trengrove says, in all caps, how on earth does the new league-slash-cup thingy work? How can there be a Super Classico in March if they're both in different groups, um hopefully guy if you've been paying attention you will already have uh received your answer to that one it's because of this um extra match each weekend between the teams who are don't have matches against a team in their own group so that, that's very much part of the design because you've got to have a river boca. um 2020 um uh, was the first calendar year of the professional era which began in 1931 in argentina in which River and Boca did not play each other at all during the year. Because, of course, the Super Classico in the Copa Diego Maradona that just finished was held on the 3rd of January uh, this year. Um, So the AFA realised, I guess, that uh, they've made a mistake there and that there has to be a Super Classico. So they've managed to force a way for there to be one. And the bonus, of course, is that we also get a Classico Rosarino. We also get uh, Racing Independiente. I hope I said that the right way around for you, Dan. We also get San Lorenzo against Oracan and so on and so forth. And as I said right at the start, we're uh, also going to definitely have an Argentinos versus Platense because of the uh, shenanigans that they pulled, which I think are perfectly forgivable and OK, uh, in order to get Platense and San Miento both the first week off, but also ensure that there is going to be a Platense Classico in their first season back. Um, so there you go. Yeah, everybody plays everybody else in their own group. Everybody plays one other team from the other group, which in most cases would be the classic. And then the top team in each group play a final. Or actually, I think it's the top two teams in each group play semi finals, isn't it? Um, Johnny says, Why is Los Celso pronounced Lo Celso? When he signed for Tottenham, I was um, invited onto the BBC uh, Radio 5 and was asked how it was pronounced. And uh, apparently, he himself, Giovanni Locenzo, pronounces it Locenzo, or has been at least since he, uh, in interviews and whatnot, since he moved to England, or so I've been told. Um, but most people here say it Locenzo, and as somebody who's very kindly um, responded, somebody called Marco Mangini or Mangini or Mangini says, Pronouncing Italian last names, we Argentines tend to mix Spanish with Italian more or less at random. Bianchi, as it would be in in Italian, is Bianchi rather than Bianchi. My family pronounces Mangini as Mancini. Everybody else just reads it in Spanish as Mancini. And Italians pronounce it more like in Gin, Mangini. So um, thank you for that. Uh, very informative reply man it echoes more or less what we were going to say I've heard people saying that technically Javier Mascherano's surname should be Mascherano um, as I think some European commentators do say it that way, Um, I've also heard other people then say, ah but actually it's not an Italian surname, nobody knows where the surname Mascherano comes from, so maybe it shouldn't be, Um, but at any rate yeah basically it's Argentines being Argentines I think,
1: does anybody have anything to add on that one? I mean, I found with mates of mine who have this kind of surname, you know, C or Ch or or whatever it could be. They're just like Lo Celso, Lo Celso. Basically, they they're chilled about it. If you want to if you want to pronounce it one way, that's fine. If you want to pronounce it the other way, that's also fine, and no one really fusses about it as people seem to have done in in England.
0: No, indeed, there's no particular desire to make sure it's all correct um g ruchesco says are there any equivalent to cliches to at the end of the day and obviously once per sentence and so on in argentine post-match interviews anyone uh, yes of course do you want to provide us with a few examples dan or are we just going to leave
1: this as yes <laughs> i'm trying to figure some now now i've um i've gone out on a limb um no you know stop phrases um one which was very very kind of um uh repeated and, and mocked a little bit was um the journalist martin Arévalo for, uh, for kind of starting his post argentine final loss interviews with noeb uh, messi leon no se pudo, or javier no se pudo. like uh guys it couldn't be done um which kind of that got very much uh, attached to him. And, and also lots of, um, lots of the commentators have their own stock phrases. Uh, Boscio Vignolo, he does a lot of the, the big games for, well, for Fox and ESPN now, as the case might be. Uh, when there's almost a goal, he always says, don't shout it, don't celebrate it, because it wasn't a goal. Um, the other guy, uh, Rodolfo De Paoli when Messi scored goals, his, his, his uh, phrase was always messy, 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 football, 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 um, which he seemed to enjoy. Obviously, you have the other commentator, Bambino Pons, who, who enjoys singing every time there's a goal, no matter if it's uh, Brighton against Burnley, uh, the fifth goal of a, or sixth goal of a 4-2 victory, which is completely devoid of emotion. Um yeah I mean I think everywhere in the entire media world you know us journalists are lazy we like to to find cliches and stop phrases common commonplaces as as are known in in Spanish because it just makes our job a lot easier and um, hopefully you guys can think of a couple more specific examples, but yes there are there are tons of them uh, can we think of any the players tend to come out with.
0: I'm wondering whether G. Wojcieszko is asking about the players rather than the, the
3: journalists. I mean, usually the uh, we gave all our same. all, we left our soul, we yeah. left our hearts. Um, we we, we trained this all week. We want to win for our families. We want to win for the fans. Or Jesus, as if you're a Colombian, Jesus, yeah, so or depends. Brazilian. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting.
0: I'm still waiting for the first use of adentro y alrededor in Spanish, in and around. uh, (laughs) I I suspect it's some time away, but I hope that it one day arrives. Andres, sorry, I talked over you.
2: What I will never understand is why players usually uh, talk in third person, uh, like, uh, of a singular, like, uh, one tries to help each other. uh, Instead of saying, I try to, they say... uh, one tries to help or to give their best to the team, like like if any other w- was talking, not them. Uh, yeah, Amy, but something. in English
1: they did that as well. But it's you instead of one. That's kind of the translation you know, I always. In the in the nineties
3: was in ninety was was way worse. I remember thousand one. I was watching one of those. Uh, you know those those TV shows in in sport networks when they have nothing else to do to put in they put all games. Uh, so it was Fernando Gamboa being being interviewed. I was not really paying attention at all, but somehow he started talking. Yeah, because Gamboa wants to do this and Gamboa wants to do that. And went to the talk, to see the TV because why a player is talking about another player and it was Fernando Gamboa actually playing, uh, saying uh, talking about himself, saying mm-hmm. Gamboa literally. I mean, that was uh, what's going on, <laughs> and that was surprised me a lot uh, back in the day.
0: I guess Riquelme was one of the last ones to keep that going. All right, yeah. Uh, Carl Carpenter says, "What is there to know about the teams promoted from the the Primera Nacional into the Primera, and by extension into the Copa de la Liga?" Well, as we've said already, Platense have a a, a very big history in this division, um, albeit not while we've been recording the podcast, but it's nice to finally get the chance to to be talking about them, um, and San Miento have been up really quite recently, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can make themselves stick a bit more this time, um, but they're both sort of in the middle of their pre-season as we're talking, as I mentioned, they, they've got another week off compared with all the rest of the teams, um, so what their preparations have been like and everything, I'm, I'm not sure. Anybody?
1: Yeah, I mean, what we can say about Platense? You know, I'm going to talk in more general terms now. This um, Platense, you know, historically have been one of the one of the traditional big, um, you know, neighbourhood clubs of Buenos Aires. Um, kind of alongside the likes of Ferro, uh, Chacarita. When of course, Argentinos, Veles, um these clubs who aren't. You know, they probably can't count on a on a nationwide following like, like the Big Five, but in their neighbourhoods, um, uh, they count on a very, very uh, strong local support. Um, they have, you know, uh, they come from the north of Buenos Aires. They have a very, very numerous uh, support. Um, and I think people are, are pretty happy to, to see them back. And, and they also have a very fun nickname. They are the Squids. Um, which I think is just uh, a great nickname. so uh, I'm in favor of them coming back.
2: And in the history, they, they have a lot of players that then succeeded in other clubs or big, big clubs. Caudet, uh, for example, uh, is one I, I remember a lot of, of course, because he played at River, but uh, there are, I think, a lot of more examples.
0: And another River player, David Tressinger, springs to mind as well, yes. which, which might surprise a few people who don't realize that he grew up here. Um, yeah. Um, Perfect Tommy says do River go all in during the final year of Gachardo's contract? I mean I think if we don't know what to expect from Marcelo Gachardo's River Plate by now um, then we wouldn't have been doing this podcast properly uh, I suspect that this year is going to be just like every other year Riber will be focusing with all of their eggs in the Copa Libre Dolores basket and just possibly letting a couple of broken eggshells uh, fall into the basket of local competition to stretch a metaphor rather further than it will actually go without breaking. Um, That's very poetic, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. I try, sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be that, basically. He's going to want to go out with a bang. and The only bang that either he or Riva care about is, is the Libertadores, so I wouldn't expect to see too many fireworks from them. In domestic competition, although as Dan said, they've done a good job of, of keeping their squad together so far. They're perhaps better than we were expecting in sort of early December. Um, so they should, in theory, especially if they can pull off all of the signings or most of the signings that, that are being talked about for them, they might have a squad that they can try to compete on on all fronts with. Um, Andres, would you agree?
2: Yes, I, I do. Uh, anyway, there, there is uh, this. Uh... Thing, I, and I think Gallardo also uh, believes that a, a local uh, title, I mean, a Copa de la Liga or a Liga title will be all, also good as the last, last uh, latest uh, title uh, from that uh, category was in, uh, when Ramon Diaz was in, in charge. But uh, of course, if you uh, have to decide whether uh, the Copa Libertadores or the, the The Copa de la Liga is more important, of course, there will be no doubt, and the Copa Libertadores will be uh, the priority. Yeah, indeed. Um,
0: Those are all of the questions. So enjoy this little piece of theme music, and then Mystic Sam will be uh, speaking to you and telling you what's going to happen over the weekend. OK, then. This weekend on Friday evening, as we mentioned right at the start or near the start of the show, Banfield versus Racing. Uh, bear in mind that I'm predicting all of these essentially at random based on how these teams did in, in the previous Copa because i have not paying too close attention to what's gone on over the summer. Um, but I'm going to go for Banfield to win that one. Sorry, Dan. Also on Friday evening, Union versus Atletico Tucumán, I think will be a draw. And Central Córdoba versus Colón, I think is going to be a Colón win. I might have spoken a little bit too quickly there, uh, but we'll see. Saturday afternoon, Aldo Civi versus Godoy Cruz, I think will be a draw. Tacheres versus Patronato is going to be a Tacheres win. Beles versus Newell's should be one of the more entertaining matches this weekend, and I think Belles will win it. Um, and San Lorenzo versus Arsenal is going to be an Arsenal victory on Sunday Defensa y Justicia host Huracán um, I think the Defensa will get a win in that one Boca Juniors host Gimnasia, and I think that Boca will win that Estudiantes are at home to river on Sunday night I think that that will be a river win And on Monday, Rosario Central versus Argentinos. I'm going to go for an Argentinos win. Platense versus Sarmiento, of course, is listed here as being on Monday night on my app, but it's not going to be happening. Um, And Independiente versus Lanús should be, I think, a Lanús win. Anybody agree or disagree with any of those matches you're looking forward to?
1: Racing think going to win tomorrow. No doubt about it.
2: Okay, good, I'm We're glad just going to win tomorrow. I, I agree, but we forgot to mention, and I think this will affect Vélez, that uh, problem with Almada and Venezuela.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago, I think, that they had, uh, because I remember cocking up the detail and accidentally implicating them and suggesting that they had been charged with um, sexual abuse at a party in Santi. Uh, corrected me and, and made clear that that was not the case that they have been called as witnesses but they have now been charged um, and so they won't be playing for Belles this weekend I have forgotten about that I still think that Belles will um, will manage to scrape the win over Newell so I'll, I'll stick with what I said I've, I've dug this interesting hole for part myself about and that. I'll sit in it
3: but go on Tony uh, the interesting part of all that is that today transpired that the, their teammates uh, were against Belles' decision to apart them from the squad that so, is, yeah, rather unsafe, cipher, isn't it? Yep. So they they prefer to have someone that maybe they are um, rapists, <laughs> abusers, mm. than you know siding with the uh, with the victim. But well, it does not a high conversation, obviously, because it's more a society conversation. You know that very well, but it's it's interesting that the entirety of of the ballet squad went against the president and the board saying we are not agreeing with those two players being left out.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, but anyway, that is an issue that, as, as Andres says, is going to affect us this weekend and obviously uh, affects a lot of things beyond football, as Tony's pointed out as well. Um, but yes, thank you for the reminder. Um, I think that that's it for this week, gents. Unless anybody has anything to add, we will say thank you. Doesn't sound like anybody does have anything to add. So here we go. Um, Thank you very much for listening for another week. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. English Dan. Goodbye. Tony.
3: Goodbye.
0: And me. Thank you and goodbye.